It's been a been a while since we've used used the snowball actually. Yeah. Feels kinda this um officially the first episode, the pilot of Maniathon. Yeah, I guess it is actually. Well, I put up a test thon, but it's just an episode of talking about the talkies, but I just needed to test the iTunes thing to see if it was actually working. Yeah. But this is the first actual episode of it, so. And how lucky we are, because we're going to be analysing and looking at... Analysing is not the right word. We're going to be commentating on WrestleMania 1. How amazing. It's a, it's quite a doozy of a, of a show here, but uh, yeah. I mean, I guess we might as well just go over what the intention would be over the next year-ish Nearish, okay. So we sit here on a sunny day, surprise, surprise, in March on the what dates it the nineteenth or something? I think it's the twentieth today. The twentieth of March, and we've got a one-year plan. Yeah, I'm gonna try and time it so that it ends up like we finish up at New Orleans next year for WrestleMania. So that involves a lot of not skipping weeks, but like I was thinking, we could do like night after Raw's like Raw's the night after Wrestlemania for certain episodes yeah that would especially be. whenever they start to become three hours because then like, you're not going to watch Wrestlemania and then a fucking three hour Raw and then talk about that all in one sitting because that would be a lot of work yeah so yeah I mean probably just do it that way but I mean I've got a I've got a tentative schedule on the computer so I mean if we have to alter it at some point we, we can do that but it's, it's just there now so is our as breakdown game, like, as it stands we're going to start, we're going to do one um, early WrestleMania, so in this case, WrestleMania 1, and then the newest WrestleMania, and then WrestleMania 2, yeah. and then WrestleMania 31, and so on and so forth. Yeah, well... Until we converge in the middle. Yeah, so we're going to meet, I think it should meet at around WrestleMania 17, which would be a good way to meet it off, and then we do WrestleMania 34 next year in New Orleans, so should be a good crack, you know? Yeah. Should, I mean... Some interesting WrestleMania shows over the years. Well, we're going to try and find the best one. I, I would say that this one is probably not the best WrestleMania. It might be the most important one, because it's the inaugural, like it started the whole process. So it's it's a pretty, it's an interesting show, but it's it's not the most entertaining one they've ever done. Uh, there's some amusing things yeah the show. well I mean we'll, we'll get into it like so to start to start with mm, that guitar with music yeah before we get into it I want to just note that on the network Wrestlemania which is the most important show they have done and ever will do is like the fucking hardest thing to get to because it's like the way they their network is so unuser friendly so you go to the pay-per-view section yeah and you have to go all the way through. And it's not like you can do like a fast scroll like on Netflix. You have to like painstakingly press that fucking right button about 30 times. I mean, I think it works better on the computer. It might just be on the PS3 that it's like really just poorly laid out. Thankfully, yeah, on the computer, you kind of go into pay-per-views. Yeah. And then they have all the most recent pay-per-views in order from the most recent. And then there's a tab in which you can go to a specific event. So just WrestleMania. Yeah, and then you scroll to the bottom. And That's a lot anyway. better than the way they have it on the PlayStation because it just you have to press the button like about twenty, thirty times to get over to the actual WrestleMania. So they've been added to my watch list though, anyway. So it'll be easy enough to get to in the future, where I can see great shows like WrestleMania Two, which I actually genuinely can't wait to talk about because 
the last time I watched WrestleMania 2, I actually enjoyed it, even though I know it's probably one of the worst ones they've ever done. Possibly even worse than this show. But yeah. So not, yeah. not to be too negative in framing the framing our talking of the show. No, I mean it's it's fine. It's just it's very basic. It's very bare bones. It's nice though to have it as a kind of baseline from which to see how wrestling has progressed in like the last thirty years. Yeah. I mean, even just from, like, WrestleMania 1 to WrestleMania 2, it's a completely different... Like, everything's completely different, because... I don't know, it's just, ev- everything about the whole first show is just very grimy and grungy. I think they upped the production values the next year, even though they had some other terrible flaws, like putting it in three different cities at the same time. That was probably not the best move, but we'll get into that. Yeah, so the the opening montage is pretty... <laughs> Is pretty interesting. It's just a guitar riff with like, like very, very, very basic, just like pictures. I would say if someone were to make elevator music with guitars, that yeah. would be that is similar to what the opening montage sounds like. Yeah, I mean, it was very like. I mean, I assume that they could get videos instead of using still images, but. Because they were showing images or like videos of uh, the New York skyline and everything before they actually went into the wrestlers' thing. I guess they just didn't have the footage for it. So I guess we'll just, uh, yeah. Anyway, my my second uh, point on my notes here is Jesse Ventura, fantastic pink suit. Yeah. She was called by Gorilla Monsoon, Jesse Ventura, Gene Okerlund on the uh, the interviewing duties. Well, Gene Okerlund and Alfred. I guess Lord Alfred Hayes, but he just he didn't really interview that many people. He just I think he had one interview, but he was just mostly kind of standing there as a way for. I mean, like it was really weird. They just like Gorilla and Jesse would throw it to Lord Alfred, and then he would throw it to like Mean Gene in the back. It was really mechanical, yeah. like the transitions. But I did find it funny that when uh, Lord Alfred Hayes was wherever he was standing, it was obviously near the. The entrance ramp, so yeah. if they went there too soon, you would literally see guys walking back from their match. Yeah. Just walking past him, which was quite funny. But, um, opening, as is now tradition, singing the national anthem, I'm personally waiting for the day that Flo Rida does this, yeah. rather than the theme song that he sings the national anthem, but he has nothing on Mean Gene rendition. To be honest, I completely forgot that Mean Gene did the national anthem on this show. Like, to the point where I was actually shocked whenever he did it, and I didn't think he did that bad of a job. That was pretty good. I well, mean, he had to read off cue cards to remember the words to it, but I mean, I I, I wouldn't remember the words to my national anthem, so fair enough. I to, also find it find funny um, how in the middle he literally says "everybody," <laughs> you know, trying to encourage people to start singing the national anthem. I think I, he just wanted to take a break and let the crowd take over. Like at a gig, whenever the fucking lead singer just stops singing and lets the crowd fill in for him, he does. Get have, on he, with it. he does have um, that frontman type charisma, doesn't he? Yeah, Mean Gene. Yeah, Mean Gene's a fucking. He's a he's a great guy. He is indeed. He's a great interviewer. He's got a lot of charisma. So the first match, the first match in WrestleMania history, is Tito <laughs> Santana versus the Executioner. And the first promo of WrestleMania is Tito Santana, and he fucking... It was just a shitty promo. 
I find it funny that he said he's because this is the executioner's debut. Yeah. He says, um, "Quote: You're in the big leagues now." I was wondering if this how uh, how ironic that that is foreshadowing for the next thirty five years. Yeah. For anyone that comes to WWE, um, I, they always viewed themselves as the big league because they're New York and New York's their capital city, I guess, of wrestling. I mean, they always just kind of viewed themselves as a, a step above everybody else, even when they weren't. But, yeah, I mean... And then they went to the Executioner, and he f- fucking messed up his lines and kept saying that he's going after the leg. So, yeah. Well, it, it, you know what? I know um, maybe uh, that, with that, that promo, but I really... I know, like you were saying, he kind of messed up his lines, but I enjoyed that type of promo where it frames the match like yeah. I thought that, I think that's really cool I remember on the Stone Cold podcast Ambrose mentioned this mm. Dean Ambrose and he was saying you know if you're having a match and you can say something to the effect of I know something that the crowd doesn't know and that's that you know you went over your ankle or something like it was nice to have something to frame the match going into it with him just saying I'm going after the leg probably thought, shouldn't have given away his strategy because he ended up losing yeah but I do like the, yeah. the framing of, of the match. Something to look out for rather than you just passively watching it. Yeah. Particularly that, like, back then whenever people... Well, none of us really knew much about the Executioner. It was nice to yeah. have something to go on. I mean, like, I know the Executioner was played by Buddy Rose. Yeah. That's about all I know, really. I mean, I know that Buddy Rose is a big name in Oregon, in the Oregon wrestling scene for many years. And he was in WWE too under that name, but I'm not too sure why where the executioner came from. I guess they just didn't want to have him in as as Buddy Rose. What do you think of the match? It was a basic again, like most things about the show just seem kind of basic and flat. But it's like you know you have to remember that it's just it's it's not something that people were used to seeing at the time. Just the idea of wrestling being on like that grand of a stage and being on pay-per-view was just that big that they didn't, they didn't really need to do anything over the top they had the celebrities to bring everybody in and then they stayed for the good times and the matches and all that stuff although it's interesting you say that the match was quite basic although I noted that I thought Monsoon and Ventura actually sound enthused which I, you know that's just, I think that's that's just that really that stuck out to me a lot of t- they actually sound like people having a conversation Instead of, like, the weird shit that we get on <laughs> Raw nowadays, where people, like, you can just tell the Vince McMahon's in their ear telling them everything to say, but, like, they actually sound like they're talking about stuff, like, they, they would make, like, comments here and there about, like, you know, oh, this guy, he does this for this reason, and uh, he's wearing the, he's wearing tape on his wrists and all this stuff because he likes to, get, I'm like, man, you would never hear that shit on Raw or SmackDown today because everybody's too busy putting over the network or the app or the Twitter or the Facebook or saying all the same shit or JBL's out there talking about how many titles they've won. Tell me this. Uh, I know this is a tangent. What was that uh, app that WWE had like six years ago where it was basically kind of like Snapchat yet like short videos? Grinder. <laughs> nah, I don't know. Do I know, know what you're talking about. Tout. Tight. That yeah, was it. Tight. That was pretty bad. Yeah, I don't. Know I wonder if they did any tights at WrestleMania that year. What would that have been like? Twenty seven. 
I think it, that would be uh, when they were really pushing that. I don't think it even lasted six months. Tight. Nah, it was pretty atrocious. It was pretty bad. I remember them doing it a few times in like late 2011. They would have like fans sending in stuff because I remember them doing it on the Raw 1000, which would be what August of 2012. Yeah, 2012. Yeah, something like that. I think they did it on there because. I seem to remember them having fans come in and talk about the AJ Lee Daniel Bryan wedding angle and it was the most embarrassing shit I've ever seen. Ugh, we'll so, get to so that. cringy. It's but, even worse like it's worse whenever they put those up because it's bad enough when they put the tweets up at the bottom of the screen and you just read this and be like, Who the fuck writes this shit? These are actual people saying these words out loud to a camera and then being on TV. Pretty bad. Um, back to Santana and the Executioner. Something that um, I thought was particularly noteworthy was how was how um, engaged the crowd were at just at the simplest at what we would see as the simplest things, and yeah. like a few kicks or something, and the crowd would really rise up for Santana. Yeah, or, they weren't. That's Tito Santana was just kind of he was an, an attraction at that point because. I guess he was Hispanic-y, so... And they they would always kind of bill him as a high flyer. The, the most high-flying move he did in the match was a crossbody off the top rope, and the people went nuts for it, and I was like, what? I suppose... It's a crossbody. I don't know if, if this counts as high-flying, but I, I suppose coming near the end of the match, he did that body slam from the second rope. Yeah. To the, from the body slam, the executioner from the second rope, which was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. And I, ironically enough, um, he he won the match, and the executioner didn't get to work on the leg. I think he tried to work on the leg, but I, I guess Tito warned him off. So, uh, yeah, like I really like the idea of framing a match about how you're going to work on something, but then it just doesn't happen. So I, I would ra- I would rather them just work on it than tell the opponent they're going to work on the leg, or better yet, why don't you lie and say I'm going to work on the leg, and then like target the neck. Just to catch them off guard. So that's some old school heel psychology there. Something that you wouldn't see in, in these days. Something that you might see in uh, Southpaw Regional Wrestling, but not on the big stage like WWE. Not in the big leagues? No. Nah. Uh, do you have anything else to say on this match? No, nah, not really. I'd rather get down to the uh, the greatness of SD Jones versus King Kong Bundy. Before that, I do have a comment on... We mentioned how the Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura... Uh, kind of passed over to Alfred Hayes I noticed how it was really funny that it was so clear that you could see Alfred Hayes' eyes reading off yeah reading reading like cues off screen a lot of people were reading were reading off screen you could tell a lot of people were not too sure what they say I guess WD scripting people's lines goes all the way back then I mean a lot of the promos weren't scripted you could tell because people would just literally lose their train of thought and just completely flub their lines like the executioner did he clearly didn't know what the fuck to say. And he just kind of went around in circles, screaming about working the leg. He's going after the leg. But yeah, then we have uh, King Kong Bundy and uh, Special Delivery Jones. I don't know why King Kong Bundy isn't in the Hall of Fame. It doesn't make any sense. He's awesome. Rick Rick Rude's only going in now, like, so. I know. We gotta get Bundy in there before he dies. Like, I mean, I think King Kong Bundy's actually lost, like, a ton of weight as well, so he's probably in pretty, pretty...
pretty decent shape, so he's not going to be dying off anytime soon like Vader is. But yeah, I, I say get him in there. He should have yeah. been in there years ago. Yeah, I'm all for King Kong Bundy going in there. Plus, King Kong Bundy, I think, is a stand-up comedian now. Is he? I think he actually is. I think he's... He used to be anyway. I don't know if he still does it, but I'm pretty sure he's still or he's he did some stand up or he dabbled in it for a while. I this, said, I said he'd have a great Hall of Fame speech. Hundred percent. Can we get? Um, I was. It's just whenever I think of King Kong Bundy, obviously in this context, do you also remember um, Bobby Heenan? Yeah, just another travesty about the Hall of Fame. And uh well at least Bobby Heenan got to do his Hall of Fame speech before he lost his his <coughs> jaw. But um Bobby Heenan being the legend that he is, obviously he has a great snippet where he says that King he could use King Kong Bundy's back as a cinema. <laughs> which I thought was great. The um but other than that I Wasn't suppose, that Jesse? What's sorry? I thought wasn't that Jesse Ventura said that? No, this was in the promo before the match. Oh was it? Bobby the Brain. I thought Jesse said that on commentary. We'll clear that up for next week. <laughs> uh, we'll have to make an amendment on we'll this. We'll have to watch the whole show again yeah, just, just to just to clarify. Just to clarify the mistakes that we make. That promo before the nine second match. I'm thinking of keeping like a like a dead or alive count for this show as well. Just to, just out of sheer curiosity. So we got. Uh, let's keep going here. Gorilla's dead. Um, Tito's alive. Buddy Rose is dead. Uh, is is Special Delivery Jones alive or dead? I actually don't know. I have no idea. I'm gonna go ahead and say that he's alive. Just just out of hopefulness. I actually don't even have an internet connection here, <laughs> so. I would assume he's alive. Ah, fuck it. But what 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 did you think of the nine second match that they said this record is going to hold for a long time? What a, that match was like thirty seconds as well. What a pile of bullshit that was. I know they tried to push it for years as being like a record, but like I I just don't understand how they can like try and get away with stuff like that where it's like it's not a subjective thing. It's time. If you have a fucking stopwatch, you can clearly tell it was not nine seconds. I mean, it was a short match. It was like 30 seconds or 20 seconds, but like, yeah. I mean, it reminds me of whenever they fucked up the whole Daniel Bryan situation where they were trying to have that match with Sheamus as like the shortest match in WrestleMania history and they messed it up and they didn't do it quick enough. Do you, did you watch SmackDown like a few weeks ago whenever Luke Harper and AJ both were supposed to hit the floor at the same time and they clearly no, didn't? No, I didn't watch the episode, but I did see that, that spot and... Yeah, AJ Styles clearly hit first, and it was it was pretty bad. Like, like I can I like I can only imagine how difficult that is to do for something like that. Anyway, you no, know, for them to both hit at the same time, but it's just funny. I I remember they did it a few times. I think the Royal Rumble it. one was very good. The one with Cena and Batista. Yeah, yeah, they did. That was that was an accident, apparently, allegedly, according to Big Dave. I don't know how how true that is, but. I mean, it might be true actually because from what I remember like that happened and then like they just restarted the match and Batista I think just gave him a spine buster and threw him out straight away like without any other kind of interesting stuff so it might have just been a mistake what about remember the cage match with Batista and Undertaker yeah yeah I do remember that I'm pretty sure 
That's different, though. That was on, like, a tape smackdown, so they could just, like, fuck around with the footage. Because, no. Or maybe they couldn't, actually. Well, did they do, like, a split screen they for that? They did a split screen. Yeah, I mean, they could have just fucking done that. Like, anyway. Like, that could have been a few seconds off, and they could have just, like, timed the footage to coincide with each other. Anyway, what they did have, after Special Larry Jones and King Kong Bundy, was Matt Bourne versus Steamboat. I know. Maniac Matt Bourne. 1.2 million crowd, according to Jesse Ventura. Yeah, I don't know about that, but there was a lot of people watching. There was a lot of interest in this show, mainly because of Mr. T and how famous he was at this point in time. He's like the biggest star on TV at this point. I I know you mentioned commentators earlier. Mm. Uh, I thought there was a great uh, point in this match in which uh, Jesse Ventura says he quotes the immense talent of Ricky Steamboat that was he was talking about his quote immense talent yeah now, like call me crazy but you can still have your quote unquote bad guy heel commentator still compliment you know your baby face like this is just something that doesn't happen it's just a litany at the minute I feel like most of the commentators there if it's Corey Graves or whatever, it's just a litany of negative, petulant things that they're saying. Like, unless it's Randy Orton and JBL. Because JBL will compliment Randy Orton until the cows come home. True, like, I just... Like, it makes the comment, commentary much more authentic, I think, if you do recognise. That's, like, that's Jesse Ventura, though. Jesse's always been one of my favourites. He's one of my favourite commentators they've ever had. Especially because... He would always call out Gorilla Monsoon whenever, like, Gorilla would give Hulk Hogan a pass for raking the eyes or, like, clawing at the back or whatever. And he would always point out how, like, fucking bullshit that was and Hogan should be disqualified and Gorilla would be like, ah, no, what's what's good for the goose is good for the gander or some shit like that. I'd be like, you know what, fuck you, Gorilla. Jesse's got a point. Anyway, Jesse Ventura is fantastic. As is his show... Yeah, um, Jesse Ventura conspiracy theory. Watch I got, it. I got. I got to get on that. I watched the one on Skinwalker Ranch. Anyway, the one. It's amazing. Is it? Is it still on the air, or does it not air anymore? Oh no, it was cancelled like 2012. <laughs> <laughs> it had three seasons though. I'm sure it did. Like... I saw the when I was watching one of the the episodes. Someone had a comment underneath saying, "Why did they cancel it?" <laughs> and someone wrote underneath. Because they were getting too close to the truth. Yeah, Jesse Ventura. You know Jesse Ventura was in the X-Files? Yeah. That's amazing to me. And also in Predator. Which, yes. Which he is fantastic in. He is. Everyone's fantastic in Predator. Although. That's just a great movie. At the same time, in terms of the conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory thing, apparently it was nothing to do with the ratings, why it was cancelled. It was, it coincided with the publication of, no, that guy, uh, Chris Kyle. He's yeah, American, oh, American sniper. sniper guy. He published his novel, his book, like his autobiography. Yeah. Um, and he was saying stuff about Jesse Ventura because they were in the army together at right. the same time. Huh. And Jesse Ventura was like, "You're a flipping lying! Like, stop lying, dude!" And there was this whole kind of lawsuit, and basically Jesse came out looking worse on it. And apparently that was one of the reasons why they cancelled it. Mm. Um, it had nothing to do with ratings or anything. What did he say about Jesse in the book? Um, I can't like I can't remember specifically, but he was saying like, oh, 
different things that Jesse Ventura was saying that's lies. Stop lying about me and defaming my yeah. name and stuff. I don't know if I trust Jesse Ventura in certain stuff. I mean, he's a smart cookie, like, and he's always been, like, a very fair guy, I think, in, in terms of social issues. I mean, I, I remember him debating some guy on, like, marijuana usage and stuff like that. He always seems to be kind of a fair dude in that regards, but I, I mean, he does come off like a dick sometimes, but, and also like a fucking conspiracy nutcase, because he is one. But that's just Jesse, though, and I, I love Jesse. I always, I've always loved the body. He's pretty cool. Um, I'd vote for him. I'd vote for him. What do you think of this match? Um, it was pretty bit actually. I think I might fucked up earlier. I think I said the Tito did a fucking crossbody. It was actually Ricky Steamboat. I remember because I remember Gorilla got really big into somebody doing a crossbody as if it was like a big, a massive like feat of technicality or like this incredible daredevil esque maneuver. And mm. it was it was just. It was it was Ricky Steamboat. I'm pretty sure he won with the crossbody as well, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, there was a bit where I noticed Matt Bourne. Um, he fell. Another he, another he, dead guy as well, Matt Bourne. Yeah, he was doing. He was falling on on his stomach, and it it just looked really nasty because mm. he literally just fell on his head. Like when he was yeah. falling, he didn't fall. No, with his chest hitting the canvas first, yeah, he just, just, like, his head just smacked the canvas. Like that looked really, really sore. Yeah, per Matt Bourne. Um, I wonder how much different this match would have been if he was Doink at this point. I just always picture him as Doink, though. He'll, uh, he'll always be the best Doink. I don't care who they get. They can get the Brooklyn Brawler to be Doink all day long. It's just not the same. You notice that at the end of this match, um, when. Uh, Lord Alfred Hayes was having his um, transitional interview that <laughs> Matt Bourne walks in the background of yeah, him. He does, yeah. Walks right behind him. It's pretty funny. Lord Alfred Hayes was in that same spot all night. <laughs> Did not move an inch. Uh, mm. Next match. Oh, dear. The, the Beefcake and David San Martino. Yeah, David San Martino is a fucking thick man. He is ginormous. Like, not tall, but like beefy. Mm. He's like a, and that's ironic because he's facing the beefy cake. That's true. He was. He reminded me a lot of like Rusev, like in terms of like his body looking that way. Not so much in terms of like in the ring because I mean, he's, he wasn't anything special. He was fine, like, but mm. I think they expected more from him, being the son of like the greatest champion of all time. They probably wanted a little bit more from him, but. I thought uh, was right, like, there was a huge ovation for Bruno San Martino. Yeah, Bruno was big over in the garden. Um, Bruno was always going to be big over in the garden. He got inducted in Madison yeah. Square Garden, right? I think so. Because I'm pretty sure he got inducted when they went to New York, New Jersey. So that was uh, 2013. I'm pretty sure that's when Bruno got inducted. He would have been in the garden anyway because it would have been the best place to induct him. I'm pretty sure. Like, I don't know. Do you know what the thing is? I don't want to like, come across as like high and mighty or anything, but <laughs> it's nice to see... Like such a reaction like that, yeah. because no, one, like, like now if someone comes out like some sort of legend, it's kind of just like, nah, you know, no one really cares. Maybe that's because I mean, hey, if if modern day Vince McMahon was booking this show, it would be fucking Bruno San Martino versus Ivan Koloff in the main event versus the Iron Sheik. Yeah, in a triple threat match. Bring back the Iron Sheik. That's what they would do. It would be um, Bruno as the as the defending champion against. Fucking, I don't even know. Nature Boy Buddy Rogers, who may or may not have been dead at this point. 
Did you notice that um, again there on the commentary front, Jesse Ventura fantastic at detailing the psychology, like before the match, like yeah. stalling the start of the start of the match and stuff. Um, he mentions how whoever's whoever loses their career will drop by six months, maybe yeah, a year, maybe noticed, two years. I noticed that, but. You know, it's nice for him to like, detail the psychology, I thought. Yeah, I wish there was as much urgency these days as, like, putting emphasis, even on, like, mid-card matches. Like, if you had a match between Dolph Ziggler and Kalisto and JBL said, whoever loses this match, is this is going to hold their career back six months. No one would give a shit or buy into it. I mean, Dolph Ziggler's career has been in the same place for, like, fucking ten years, so another six months isn't going to do him too much harm. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it was it was interesting. It wasn't, like, great of a match or anything. It was like, interesting to see. Like, I'm aware that, you know, with the fact that now, with, you know, all the different platforms that WWE have, they have to be promoting other things. But it is refreshing in this show to see the commentators actually talk about the match. Yeah. Rather than, you know, what's coming up later on or, you know, other stuff. It's just nice to hear them uh, commentate on the match and actually sound really enthusiastic about it. Yeah. No, it's, it adds a lot whenever the commentators actually sound like they give a shit about the match. Go figure, it actually it actually helps whenever the commentators don't come across like weird robot mutants. What, what a novel concept that is. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was a fine match that just ended up being a dud. There's really not that much that Bruce Beefcake could do before he was the barber. He was just kind of like a meddling heel until he he got the pair of scissors and everything, which would have been what WrestleMania three, I guess. Mm. Would have been whenever he mm. he cut off Adrian Adonis's hair <laughs> and thus began his legacy. Did you notice during this match there was a? I thought there was a pretty cool bit when. Um, Beef British Beefcake um, slammed David Sammartino and he transitioned into an armbar. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, no, that was that was a good wee spot. I mean, there's not many high spots in any of these matches because they're all just pretty standard standard issue. But like, also just like all my notes are just about the commentary. Maybe yeah. there's something to be said about that, but. Like I just noted here, great commentary even on something like a ground headlock. Where yeah. like Jesse Ventura is talking about carrying the weight of the other person and how this will result in heavy breathing and stuff and how this will affect you later in the match. Yeah. You don't wanna start gasping too early. And it's a lot like how William Regal used to call matches whenever they would actually let him call matches. Like it's so it's just so refreshing to hear that. Like yeah. now like if you have I remember Paul Heyman said this on one of the podcasts as well. I don't know if you he mentioned he was talking about Mark Henry, but if you had Big Show give like doing a headlock on someone, like you should be able they should easily be able to talk about how he's you know because he's so heavy the effect of that, but they won't. They'll be talking about something else. It's just brilliant to see them on something like a ground headlock just detail why they're doing it, the effectiveness of it, and the effect of it on the opponent. Yeah. I agree with that, 100%. Probably should actually talk about the actual action of the match instead of just talking about tweets, but... I don't know, that's not how the the powers that be dictate it be done. They want them to be 
storytellers, I guess. I mean, I, I thought these guys were telling a story, but apparently not. Apparently they're, they're wrestling commentators. Talking of which, I thought that the British Beefcake being in the Ascendancy, that mm. story um, really resulted in the crowd getting voraciously behind David San Martino. Yeah. There was, a, like, what, maybe three or four minutes of just Beefcake just beating him down, and the crowd really were... Know, going up a level each time. Yeah. After every move to get behind uh, behind David San Martino. Yeah, I feel like they wanted David San Martino to be like like a thing, but he just they, he just didn't catch on. I mean, I think this is his only WrestleMania match. I yeah, I think so. I, I might be mistaken, but he, I think really, so. he really he didn't last too long. He was kind of a flash in the pan, but I mean, for what's worth, it was a it was a fine match. It wasn't anything too special unlike the intercontinental championship match and instant classic here yep junkyard dog versus greg the hammer valentine you with jimmy hart with jimmy hart yeah you notice that junkyard was junkyard dog was the first person to come out to music he well i actually did notice that i i took special note of that so jyd is the first person that ever entered wrestlemania with with music playing and it was something else I don't like Junkyard Dog very much. I mean, he's like a very charismatic guy, but his matches in WWE at least, and I'm pretty sure most matches that he's had, but in WWE his matches were fucking terrible. The crowd liked his headbutts, but yeah. His headbutts look <laughs> awful. Although, um, we mentioned about the executioner going after the leg. Um, Greg Valentine had some fantastic leg leg moves throughout this match yeah maybe he was the executioner wearing down the maybe it was him behind the mask you never know um wearing down the leg um I thought that was really good yeah and uh another here's a fantastic caveat from uh, Jesse Ventura talking about the junkyard dog quote he smells victory like he smells dog food yeah I mean he's not wrong there he did he didn't well he did win the match but by count out which made it that was a weird placement on the card for that kind of thing to do like two screwy finishes in a row seemed kind of unusual especially because they had a bunch of other matches on the show that just kind of were like straight singles matches where nothing really happened and then you have was a no contest followed immediately after by a, a no like by a count out that was kind of bullshit but yeah Greg that well I mean it, Greg Valentine got the win with the foot on the ropes and then the ref restarted the match and then it was a count out so there was a, a finish technically but yeah it's, it's, people loving Tito Santana as he came out to, yeah Tito came out as well to to help even up friend. the odds and fucking good old Jimmy Hart he looks he, <coughs> he looks the same now as he did here Jimmy I, Hart just he doesn't age I think he's a vampire he is a vampire or some kind of immortal being anyway that's for sure um this this was the the match that I was really behind, Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik. I'm not gonna lie, this is probably the best match on the show. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, so did I. I just love the Iron Sheik. Yeah. Um, I just I like all these guys. Nikolai Volkov singing the uh, national anthem of of his country. That was awesome. Yeah. Did you notice that Mean Gene called Volkov a commie before correcting himself to Comrade? Yeah, I know. <laughs> that was funny. You wouldn't get away with something like that nowadays, but this is back when everybody hated the Russians. 
What about, I mean, everybody still does hate the Russians, but for different reasons now. What about the fact that people were throwing stuff into the ring? I love that. I like, wish whenever they were singing happen. the anthem and stuff. I wish was, that would happen more. It was, it was, it was fantastic. I, the last time I can remember that happening would be like like mid-90s WCW. I was about to say, yeah, the MWO used to be loving it whenever they were yeah. like, look at people throwing stuff. Look at look at Nikolai Volkov here singing his national anthem. That's kind of like the last time that people were really, really, like, so heavily invested in it that people would throw shit into the ring. I mean, no one gets that animated anymore about that. No one to the point where they actually throw stuff into the ring. And I don't know why... Because they have the ability to throw it in there. They just, people, I guess, are smarter now. I'm sure people are not. I'm sure they probably have things like, you know, if you throw yeah. stuff, it'll be a lifetime ban and all this. Well, I remember back in, like, the 90s, they used to have, like, laser pointers at every show. And then they just eventually banned laser pointers. And you haven't seen a laser pointer since. Probably because they also went out of style in, like, 2000. But such is life. Um... But yeah, I enjoyed this match. I actually thought that uh, so it was it was Sheik and Volkov versus uh, Wyndham and Rotunda, aka Bray Wyatt. But yeah, it was that was that was interesting to see. I, I actually forgot that Barry Wyndham and Mike Rotunda were actually on this show, and they were the tag team champions going into they this were. match. I thought they they um, Volkov and Sheik were very good at wearing Rotunda down. Yeah, um, they're really building it up to the built, hot tag. They built that hot tag up something special. Not that it worked out too well. To the house on fire, as uh, Gorilla called it. Yeah, uh, Wyndham like a house on fire. And then obviously, fantastic, uh, great bad guy ending here. Chic mm. uh, with the cane. With the cane. Um, Classic. Hits Wyndham behind the referee's back, and Volkov gets the win. And we have our Iranian and uh, Russian. Russian Tag team champions. I love it. I, I hey, I mean, I like it whenever the bad guys win. So this was this was something special. I noted that during the match, fucking Jesse Ventura said that uh, you'll see dead Super Bowls and dead World Series, but you'll never see a dead WrestleMania. And I was like, <laughs> we'll fucking see about that, Jesse. We will we will see about that, my friends. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, why did the referee not reverse the decision on this match? If he did that on the previous match, but he didn't see it. The referee did 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 see the the foot on the rope. Yeah, I, I guess so. But like, I know what you mean because it's both retrospective. Because he didn't see the foot on the rope at the time because he counted the one, two, three. Yeah. Um, but I suppose he just wasn't aware of this at all. Yeah, I guess no one came up to him after the match and said, "Hey, Iron Sheik, hit that." hit that guy with the fucking cane in the back what about Iron Sheik's um, wrestling boots they're fantastic they are I like the uh, the points they is actually I... made a point of talking about the points tell me this is Iron Sheik in the Hall of Fame he is yeah when did he go in oh man like 2004 he was one of the early ones in there I think he was in that first class when they brought it back in 2004 he might have gone in the same year as Bobby Heenan and uh Everybody else did. Who else went in that year? Did Piper go in that year? Or did he go in the year after? No, Piper was the year after. No, he wasn't. No, was he? Oh, did so. Piper go in the same year as Hogan? I think so. That is a crazy Hall of Fame We'll need class. to check that, but I think so. We'll get, we'll get you the results of that next week as well. Um, What about our next match? 
Andre versus John Studd. Ah, yeah. With the a special stipulation, the first stipulation match. Man, they don't they don't do matches for money anymore. <laughs> Fifteen thousand pound no. that Andre couldn't slam big John Studd, the only real giant in the World Wrestling Federation. This is also the first WrestleMania appearance of Bobby Heenan. What a what more do you need for for a classic moment? Anytime Bobby Heenan's at a WrestleMania, it's going to be classic. Yeah, but yeah, I like the the body slam challenge. I mean, it was fucking weird because it's just like a normal match, and then Andre just picks him up and slams him, and that was it. I mean, and he just like from memory, doesn't he just get up? He just slams yeah. him, and he just like gets up, and he like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not it's like, like he slams him and he stays down yeah. for like ten seconds. I was expecting more kind of builds to the body slam. Yeah, but came, it just it just kind of came out of nowhere. It, it was, was just... in the corner, like flipping, kicking Andre or something, and then yeah, Andre just Andre just kind of picked him up and slammed him. And I mean, I didn't even I forgot it was a body slam match. And then when everybody popped huge, I was like, oh fuck yeah, the match is over now. Um, and, and then, when Andre wins, what about Bobby Heenan? He has a moment. He takes the, he steals the loot. He steals the money. He gets that big bag of dosh and hits the road with it. And this was, I think, like, must have at least been the fifth or sixth time that Gorilla Monsoon um, had called WrestleMania one a happening. Have you noticed that he kept calling WrestleMania a happening? Yeah, yeah. They were they were putting WrestleMania over something fierce. Which hey, I mean, like you know, you gotta you gotta build that up if you're gonna make more of these things. Which I think they did. I think they went on to make a couple more WrestleManias after this one. I don't think they got the double figures, but no. Well, they had, they had a few anyway. Oh, fine. Let me. Do you have? Is your phone connected to the internet? Because uh, I actually, I genuinely am curious of what fifteen thousand dollars would be in today's currency. And I'm. It says here on my notes, calculate for inflation, but I guess I just never got around to doing it. Okay, I'll be. I'll check this as we speak. Yeah. So that's fifteen thousand dollars, which is like I don't even know how much that would be in in Great British pounds. Oh, we'll find out soon. I'm waiting on these results here. Um. But yeah, I mean the value. Oh wow! Do you want to take a punt? Take a punt at what do you think it would be? I mean, in 1985, the economy was a lot better than it is, so you get a lot more for 15 grand. So I would say something like, let's say, uh, forty thousand dollars. Well, you're close. It was thirty-five thousand. Thirty-five thousand. That's not bad. Thirty-five thousand dollars. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. So that's a lot of money there. That is a lot of money. Yeah, it's a good thing that Heenan stole the rest. Yeah, good good job there, Bobby. Because Andre was throwing it into the crowd. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why they don't do matches for money anymore. Probably because no one really gives a shit if somebody else wins money. It's like whenever, like, yeah, I mean, it's whenever, like, whenever the announcers always used to talk about, like, the winner getting, like, the, 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 bigger, <clears throat> the bigger purse money. And you're like... I don't give a shit if fucking Andre the Giant wins $15,000. Was he going to do buy me a steak dinner? I was sad that I, 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 didn't, did, that I didn't get a didn't get a, a dollar bill of Shane McMahon address me last I year. I know, I know. Jake had like five of those things. I know, he does as well. What? Uh, he, yeah, Jake had like five of those. Um, yeah, yeah kind of. What did he do with them? Did he sell them or keep them? 
Do you know? Didn't he say? I assume he, he kept one of them at least. I think he said he was going to. Didn't he? Was he was going to sell some of them and keep one? I would have bought one of them. Like to be fair. I would have bought one of them. Uh, nah. Now we have to look forward to Shane McMahon versus AJ Styles, but we'll get on to that we'll, later on. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. So next match, Wendy Richter with um, girls just want to have fun. Um, star Cindy Lauper versus Leilani Kai. Yes, Leilani Kai. With the fabulous Mula, oh, I love Mula. For the Mula is fantastic. Mula is a horrible woman. <laughs> that she's there's a lot of terrible things that she's done, but let's let's not disgrace the dead. Okay, so let's move along here. Well, about um, Wendy Richter, I noticed that she had Kai in like a kind of that AA that John Cena does, in like that position, and she turned it into a spinebuster. You notice that? Yeah. That's uh, pretty cool. Wendy Richter was pulling out a lot of power moves. And they made it a point to talk about how strong she is. And I think Jesse said something about how she's stronger than most of the guys are. Which, I mean, I don't know about that. But she was she was certainly throwing Leilani Kai around. Leilani Kai is not like a big woman, though. She was like a... Like, she looked pretty light to me. So, I mean, I, don't, I didn't really think it was terribly impressive. But... I was surprised that... Well, like... I was surprised that Wendy Richter didn't come out to a song by Cindy Lauper. Like, yeah, it was kind of surprising. I assumed that she would have. I thought that they would have played "Girls Just Want to Have Fun," but maybe they did. I don't know. I feel like they dubbed over some of the music on this show. Maybe they just didn't have the rights to it. All that I do know is that Wendy Richter ruled through a crossbody for the win. Yeah, to win the the coveted ladies' championship. Why can't they call the title the Ladies' Championship nowadays? I don't get it. I don't it. know, because maybe the term woman is more politically correct than ladies, maybe? I don't know. Maybe it's like a um, a generational thing. Like, younger people I, like seem to use the term woman, while older people seem to use the term ladies. Would that be correct? Or I don't know. I don't know. Ladies? What's wrong with the, the being the Ladies' Champion? It's better than being the Divas' Champion. Uh, it's a hell of a lot being... Hell, a lot better than being the divas champion. Yeah, it's probably stick with women's champion though. Women, ladies, whatever, nah. doesn't really matter. It's, it's better than divas. Yeah. Um, the finish was a bit botched as well. It wasn't as as fluid as it could have been, but I see. Uh, I see what they tried to do. They tried to roll through, and it was a little bit clumsy. But then we have Wendy Richter as the new ladies champion and dancing around with Sunday Lopper. Which is uh, one of those kind of iconic moments that they play whenever they have to put together a WrestleMania highlight reel. It's pretty one, one of a few on this show. True. And the next one's coming up right away. It's the main event. But before that, didn't you notice they just brought Liberace out? That was really weird Liberace and awkward. and the Rockettes. Yeah, and, like... And Billy Martin. Or Billy Morton or Billy... Billy Martin or Billy Morton, I don't know. I, like, I kind of felt sorry for Liberace. Like, he came out, and then I feel like he just didn't know what to do. Like, it was just really weird. He just sat down and... Uh, he it. looked like he was having the time of his life. <laughs> he was dancing with the those women, ladies, having having a ball, kicking his feet. I mean, after a while, he was fucking gassed. He could barely get his feet off the ground, but... Because they did, like, five rotations of the ring. I guess everybody just had to see Liberace dancing, but... 
Um, it's not what the people came to see. The people came to see this Muhammad this Ali match. as the referee. Yeah, That's who they came to see Muhammad the referee. Ali. Muhammad outside. Ali was the the guest enforcer, wasn't he? Yeah, like Mike although Tyson. they although they didn't use the term enforcer, it what was they o- just call him? outside outside official. Is that what actually they yeah. called him? Yeah, fair, and fair Jesse enough. Ventura again. They don't just say this. He like Jesse Ventura kind of contextualizes it and mm-hmm. he's like um, he kind of makes it make sense and he says. Uh, the officials obviously think that there's going to be a lot of action outside the ring because they're stationing Ali out there to make sure there's no, yeah. no shenanigans or whatever. Not that Ali proved particularly effective because there was a lot of interference towards the end of this match. Um, that actually literally directly led into the finish. True. You know, um, this is the... I believe this is the only WrestleMania to not have a world championship match on it. Uh, yeah, wow. I mean it's got to be like because they've defended the world title obviously on every other WrestleMania. So this is the the one and only WrestleMania where they don't have a WWE Championship match, and for good reason to be fair, because they got a they had to have this match with Mr. T and everything. So and they wanted Hulk Hogan to get the the rub by working with Mr. T. So they got to they got to put Hulk and T there together. Otherwise, if they put like Mr. T and Ricky Steamboat together, then Ricky Steamboat's the one who gets over. It's kind of a smart move. They don't really do this anymore where they bring in... Like, this is how they should be using guys like Brock and Goldberg. They should bring in, like, Goldberg to work with some of the newer guys. And then, like, Goldberg... Like, even... Not, like, as a tag team, I guess, but, like, to actually put over these guys instead of just putting them against each other in a a series of unending matches. (laughs) I mean, I, I feel like that's probably the best way to be. I mean, they could have just brought in Mr. T to face Roddy Piper, which they did the year after anyway, and it would have just been a piece of shit, but they actually killed two birds with one stone in this. They just got they got Mr. T in there, and they got Hulk Hogan over in the process. Not that he wasn't already over, but like over on like that next level kind of... It's very like, smart. Like mainstream attention kind of way that Hogan wasn't before, but... Yeah, they, they they knew what they were doing. Vince, believe it or not, is he's a, he's kind of a smart guy when he wants to be, when he's not going nuts. I can tell you someone who was going nuts, and that was the crowd, because there was about a ton, literally a ton, probably, of rubbish thrown in the ring at Piper and Orndorff. <laughs> um, so the second time during the... The event and what rubbish had been thrown from the crowd. Yeah, that was good to see. I was really fucked off that Mister Wonderful had like Mister like hashtag one Durful on his tights. That was just driving me up the damn wall. But yeah, Mister T and Hulk Hogan versus Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff, the first ever main event of a WrestleMania. And Paul Orndorff's the only person from memory who main evented a WrestleMania to to open the show than the following year. Really? Huh. I can't think offhand of anyone else that main evented and I know opened a, the show. I know a worse a worse fate than that. Not being on the show. Uh the Miz went from WrestleMania twenty seven main eventing to being on the pre show the year after. He was in the opening match of the pre show, so I don't know if that actually counts. Nah. Nah, so he's just he's not even on the show then basically. Per Miz, that was quite a fall. It's I good. would say a fall from grace, but like 
Although he's he's climbing back up the, the mountain. Yeah, they're going to do it again. John Cena versus The Miz at WrestleMania again. Which we'll get on to. We'll, get on to. we'll, we'll do that next week. Quote unquote next week. Uh, so, no more. we've got... Um, you notice that Gorilla Monsoon said that Mr. T is living on, quote, tuna and water for weeks. That sounds absolutely disgusting. <laughs> to, get in, to get in shape for this match, because obviously he wasn't in shape before. Yeah. Um... Did you see any of like the media appearances leading up to this match? No. They're pretty awesome. There's that one where Hulk like went on that show. I forget the name of the host. Oh man, it's it's a really really infamous moment as well in like TV history. And I just can't remember the name of the host, but he put him in like a front face lock and he passed out. <laughs> it was pretty pretty nuts. And it was all because I think they it was like a situation where I think somebody dropped out of like an appearance on like one of the main shows. It might have been like David Letterman, or maybe it wasn't David Letterman, or yeah, I think it might have been David Letterman. But somebody was supposed to do Letterman, and they dropped out, so they got like because Mr. T was already on the show, so they got like Hulk and T on there, and they got like met WrestleMania like mainstream publicity. Like, the likes of which Vince McMahon has been aspiring for ever since, and just has not ever been able to kind of get to that point again. Um, what, did you, what did you think of the actual match? Um, I was kind of impressed by Mr. T. I thought he did a fine job. There's kind of mixed reviews on, on Mr. T's performance here. Some people thought that he was great, and some, well, not great, like, but some people thought he held his own, and some people thought he was fucking terrible. I think that's harsh. I think he was fine. I think he, like, in terms of, like, like celebrities they've let wrestle, he's far from the worst. He's probably up there as one of the best, actually. I mean... Because, like, yeah. Floyd Mayweather and stuff doesn't count, really. Off, I would say Floyd Mayweather's, like, in terms of an actual quality of a match, Floyd's probably the best one they ever yeah, had. Yeah, like, best match. But they but had, like, of, like... He didn't yeah. do anything, uh, and they had tons they had of protection like, yeah, for Yeah, they him. had, like... A, that, that, was, that match is a lot of smoke and mirrors. There's, like, a lot of different... Ends and it's kind of like a Vince McMahon match where there's like, like Vince never really had to do anything. It was just his presence that made his matches great. And then he would have all the other bullshit like run-ins and weapons and all the other like stuff. I mean, the same shit you're probably gonna see this year from Shane. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, like I thought Mr. T did a fine job. He he did moves. He did, he a, did a few he did slams. A, he did a hip toss actually, which was pretty impressive. Like, I mean, a hip toss is, like, a pretty easy-to-do move, but like, he pulled it off and he didn't he didn't fall down or he didn't embarrass himself. I, I think any time they let a, a celebrity wrestle and he doesn't embarrass himself, that's A-okay in my book. Weren't they going to do a Stephen Amell versus Stardust match? Or did they did. They, did they do that? They did it at SummerSlam. It was, like, a tag match. It was Amell and Neville versus Stardust and Fandango or some shit like that, or... Somebody. Oh yeah, because everyone was losing their minds about how like good Stephen Amell was because yeah, he did, he a, did few a flips. Yeah, he did, well, he didn't even do any flips. He just kind of jumped. He jumped over the ropes, and then I think he did a hip toss as well. I think he might have done like a crossbody off the top to the outside, maybe. Anyway, he was fine as well. Yeah. I thought he did a good job. But, I, like, yeah, Mr. T, well. Mr. T, Mr. T, Mr. T did well. Few slams. They worked over Orndorff and Piper worked over Hulk. Got the hot tag to the T. Yeah, you don't realize how great Roddy Piper was as a heel until you like see him in, in action. He's amazing. 
What a guy. And he's another dead one as well. So, which is that? Talk about a loss. That's just awful. Yeah. Um, do you have anything to say on this match other than the finish, I suppose? I don't know. I thought it was. I thought, as far as tag matches go, it was pretty fine. It wasn't like amazing or anything, but Piper and Horndorf did their job. The crowd got what they wanted. They got to see Hulk Hogan doing his poses. He got to see Mr. T in action. They got to see Roddy Piper being an awesome heel. And they got to see Paul Orndorff's tights being wonderful. And they got to see Bob Jim, Orton's cast. Bob Orton using the cast and Jimmy Murderfly Snooker sneaking in there and doing whatever it was he did. Everybody left happy, I'd say. Including most of all Hulk and Mr. T, who um, got the victory. Got the victory because Orndorff misses Hogan with the cast, and he hits Orndorff. And yeah, the Bob, Bob Orton off the top rope there with the the cast, the dreaded cast to the head of Mr. Wonderful, and that's how Hogan won. He didn't even do his move or anything; he just pinned him. Everyone, Hogan, there that, was no leg drop as well on this first WrestleMania. Keep that in mind, circa WrestleMania 21, when the cast makes another appearance. Does it? That's Randy Orton versus Undertaker. I don't think Bob Orton was in that match, though, was he? He shows up. Does he? I don't remember. I'm, I'm pretty remember sure he shows up. I and feel he, like he showed up. He, he tries to hit, excuse me, Orton, and he misses. No, sorry, he tries to hit Undertaker, and he misses, I, I think. F- I thought that was SummerSlam. Did they not have another match at SummerSlam? It might be. It might be. And, like, and like, Bob Orton showed up, and then Michael was like, what the fuck? That's Bob Orton. What's he doing here? And everybody's like, what? Or was that at WrestleMania? We'll find uh, out. We'll find out very late into the game because we don't get to WrestleMania 21 for like another Six. 20 weeks. Anyway, um, that that was it. And that that's a wrap on WrestleMania 1. Yeah. I just want to point out, and I'm probably going to point this out at least 10 or 15 times. How many times has Hulk Hogan appeared at WrestleMania? Probably about 10, 10 12 times. I'm gonna go with fourteen. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say here that on every time he appears, I'm gonna say this: I love Real American. It's one of the best theme songs they've ever done. Just hearing it just makes me happy. When I when I watch these old shows and Hulk comes out and everybody goes nuts to this to the song, I just I, I just can't help but get into it. it. Makes me happy. I also really wanted Hulk, Mr. T, Liberace, Pat Patterson, Jimmy Snuka. Muhammad Ali and Billy Morton to like link arms and do the kicks like the Rockettes were doing to end the show. How great would that have been if they like all linked arms and started doing the kick? Maybe they had no gas left. They probably didn't. Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone was exhausted. Did uh, Muhammad Ali actually do anything, or was he just kind of there? He was just there. There was a stage where there there, there was pandemonium him. in the ring, yeah. and Ali came in and separated people. Did he punch anyone? Yeah, he did. Who did he punch? He punched Piper, didn't he? I don't remember that. I didn't record it, like, so maybe it didn't <laughs> happen. I don't know. I can't remember. Well, we gotta watch it again then. The one that came out the best of this match, I thought, was uh, been Mr. T was pretty cool. Mm. Came out of the match pretty cool. Yeah, Hulk Hogan gained the most. Yeah, Hulk Hogan gained the most. You know, it's, I always thought as well, it's kind of, Vince McMahon is very conspicuous by his absence during this match. It's kind of weird that he wasn't there. Yeah, I thought he would have shown up. Even like, wait, did he show up? No, he didn't. He wasn't on the show once. No, because like, I thought he would have at least showed up as a backstage interviewer because he used to do all those backstage interviews. And I think he was at WrestleMania too doing backstage interviews. 
Because that's kind of what he was doing before he made himself an announcer. Maybe he was just doing production stuff. I mean, he was probably fucking like ready to hang himself if the show had any technical problems. He was stressed to the moon running the show. Well, it's nice to see where it all began. Yeah. You know, having watched it, there are positives out of the show. There's things to enjoy, but I won't be watching it again. Uh, not for another year. But I'll probably never see it again. Actually, I'll probably see it again. I'm I'm still young. Before ten uh, years from now, who before knows? Before we start predictions, I'm gonna go and get some water. Yeah, that's that's fine. Do you sure. want a drink or anything? We might as well sign off on this episode and then record and like start anew for yeah. the next one for oh. next next week or yeah. two weeks time. Yeah. So, anyway. um, so that's that's the story of WrestleMania One. There, a show that I think I said about twelve times was pretty basic and standard. But, you know, it's more about historical context than anything else for that show. It's not really too much to go back and look at. It's just, you kind of have to go and think of it from the mind of someone in 1985, watching it on the fucking... How did they watch the shit? Like, clo- the wires. Close, closed circuit, like... Like, closed circuit TV? Like, on, like, like cinema screens? Because I always hear people talking about how it was, like, on, showing on closed circuit television. Which, I guess, is like... Isn't that CCTV? So they like show this in like movie theaters. I don't know. I think they did. I'm pretty sure that's how it worked. Because people would like, there was like shows where like they would sell out in some cities, and then other cities they would like do terrible business, and then like it came back. I think they didn't know for a few days how big the show really was. But yeah, it's a, it's an interesting show to go back and and watch. So that'll do it for our WrestleMania one review and. Uh, Join us next week whenever we go through WrestleMania 30... What is this? 33? 33. WrestleMania 33. We're going to do WrestleMania 33 predictions here next week. And by next week, I mean immediately after we finish recording this. So if it's outdated by the time you are listening to it, don't worry. I'll I'll record something and put a wee... Like, a, a, like an asterisk next to it. And the first prediction I'm going to make to end this episode... The lights are going to go out again. <sighs> what? It's in the Citrus Bowl, isn't it? Oh, fuck. It's right. <laughs> so it is. <laughs> Alright, fam. See you next week.